Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Garoppolo. Thrown down. Brian Burns gets there. Spider-Man. What a pass rush by Burns. See how quickly he got to the edge and got This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Helpful mic was on. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Carolina Panthers beat writer for Sports Illustrated, Skylar Callahan, and Carolina Panthers all time leading rusher, Jonathan Stewart. We are at the end of week two. Uh, the Carolina Panthers 0 2 in the preseason with a 21 19 loss to the New York Giants. We'll dissect that preseason game. Uh, got a little banged up during it. A couple guys got injured. We'll try to give you an injury report there. A look at the stat line. Uh, and head coach Frank Wright, his comments. Uh, after the game, actually, this is, would be from, I think, from yesterday, from Saturday, um, from him discussing everything from Thomas Brown's play calling to uh, who will play in game three. So we're nearing the end of preseason. I see that uh, there's still some folks a little worried about the Carolina Panthers and, uh, and, and their chances of the season with the way they're showing in preseason. We'll get to all that in just a bit. Um, before we do that, though, a quick word from our sponsors over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And where we start today is a quick look at the box score for this 21-19 to uh, defeat for the Carolina Panthers. I didn't realize it was like 21-6 to or something at one point. Panthers kind of made a little comeback in the second half. Gentlemen, give me your thoughts on this game because – I didn't get a chance to watch it in real time. I had to watch the highlights of it uh, with it being on a Friday night. I know both of you guys said you actually watched the game. Give me, um, starting off with you, Stu, what was your, out of everything you saw on, fr- or on Friday night, what was your biggest takeaway? Um, <clears throat> my biggest takeaway was, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And, I mean, what, we're brand-new coaching staff, um, you know these these coaches have to evaluate their players, um, and and at the end of the day, like that's why I say like the first three four games of the season for any team, like it's like up in the air, right? Like you're either figuring out your team, you've either figured it out, or you're not going to figure it out. Um, I believe that we have a coaching staff that is capable of figuring out who's on their roster. Um, guys where they need to be, um, you know, we have three preseason games to kind of help us and get in the right direction. And that's what this is all about. You know, you have, you have to evaluate, um, you know, new guys, the, you know, the guys that you expect to show up on game day during the regular season. Um, there's a lot going on. And so, I mean, 
my take from it was they're still evaluating. <laughs> I mean, simply put, and that's the, all I'm really going to really have to say about, you know, as far as my expectations for the Carolina Panthers in preseason, uh, for any team in the preseason. You know, we didn't have, you know, three of our, you know, starters out there um, on defense. And so for us to really go and leave it, leave a preseason game and, you know, have high hopes um, and high expectations to see a product that people are expecting to see on, you know, game one during regular season, um, uh, my expectations are low. So, um, but other than that, though, I mean, you know, I think the limited reps, you see Bryce Young, his movement in the pocket, um, you know, when there is trouble, um, he's capable of escaping. Um, I saw that. Um, there's obviously, you know, certain things that the, you know, that the offensive line can work on um, as a whole. And, I, and again, that comes back to my first thought, which is we're in evaluation mode, period. And that's the thing that people need to really – I mean, we harped on it last week. I, I had to tell them why you're mad about it and everything else. And I think maybe some people came back to earth before we got to Friday. I still saw some oh, we should win this game kind of stuff after the game was over. Um, I didn't see as much after this one. I guess people were satisfied that the score looked closer, that we scored touchdowns and things of that sort. Uh, Skylar, what was your biggest takeaway from watching uh, week two of the Panthers preseason? Yeah, I mean, I, I echo a lot of what, what Stu just said, but I think – the, the way that I, I break this down is for like, for those that are overreacting, just think about this. Think of your favorite major league baseball team. Okay. Say you're a Houston Astros fan or you're a San Francisco Giants fan or a Dodgers fan. And you don't have your top players out there. Say Clayton Kershaw is not going to pitch, but maybe in, a, in the team looks like a bunch of triple A and double A guys for the rest of the game. That's what this is. It's a glorified practice where you're getting evaluations on guys, you don't care what the end result is. And I know that they say, yes, they're trying to win the game. Yes, they do. But at the end of the day, they don't care if they lose. They don't care if they win. It's just about getting what they need to figure out, figured out before they go to Atlanta week one. And I think when you look at the majority of this team, I would say probably 35 to 40 players already know their role. Okay, you've got another 13 or 15 guys that are either trying to compete for an increased role or just trying to compete for a spot on the draft. We just saw a few minutes ago before we hopped on here, they just added another cornerback, Troy Hill from the Los Angeles Rams. So there's there's going to be a lot of shifting. There's going to be some more moving going on in the next week. Uh, well, actually, the next week uh, to 10 days. But. I'm not worried about this. But what I will say is I am worried about the depth. I think that is a valid concern. When you look at what this defense has done or not done, um, it's definitely concerning. The pass coverage is just not there. There's no push up front. And I think I may have said it last week that the the numbers on the interior of that defensive line are very, very thin. And once you get behind Derek Brown and Shy Tuttle and, and Marquand McCall, there's just not a whole lot there. So don't be surprised if they go out and add somebody in that area of the defense too. But, yeah, I'm not worried about this in terms of what this looks like for the season. Um, I still, My expectations are still the same. Um, seven, eight, nine wins maybe somewhere in that realm. Um, 
But I do think it is a reminder, though, for the fans that were really hyped up about this season that, hey, this is a rebuild. Everyone just thinks that, well, because you got a franchise quarterback now and you've got – my dog's over here messing me up. But He's one of them. <laughs> you've got a franchise uh, quarterback now and you've got some – you know, an actual coaching staff and you've got some other new intriguing pieces around the quarterback that, oh, you're just going to be a, a playoff team right away. No, it, it's going to take a little bit of time. That stuff doesn't yeah. just happen overnight. Remember, Cam, well, Cam's rookie year, what, we went like yeah. five games, something like that. Like is from his rookie season, and then I think the second year we won like six or something like that. So it takes some time. I think the, I think the second season we won, we actually seven something. I know we missed the playoffs, but it was. I, it was, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> now the third season they went twelve and four, and you know did the thing, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it takes some time. Like it's really rare to see like a. Well, I think everyone just looked at that whole situation. Okay, now you got Bryce Young. You have that previous regime out. And now you have an actual coaching staff coming in. I think everyone just expected it to be, boom, right there. It's it's a retool. And I've seen that used on Facebook a few times and on Twitter. It's not a retool. It is what it is. It's a rebuild. You're yeah. you're not you're looking at some of these pieces that Matt Rule and 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 Marty Herney and even Scott Fitter drafted and added to this team the last few years. They're they're kind of cutting some of those pieces away. They're moving on. They're finding new ways to to go about this. You look at that offense. It looks completely different. Mm-hmm. So I, I I wouldn't take that as it's a retool. If it was a retool, we'd see a lot of the same faces still here. If it was a retool, uh, I think Steve Wilkes would Steve still be here. You know that it would just be a continuation of what happened last year. And I don't think the fan base would be as excited at this point. If anything, there might be a little buyer's remorse at that point I, I, if they stuck with what they were doing before because that can only work for so long. There's there's a couple things to pick from here. Uh, again, I got a chance to watch the highlight reel that NFL puts out out of each game. I had a high school football game to call Friday night, so I couldn't watch it live. But I got enough of the gist of it where uh, I got to bring this up before I bring in uh, the homie Frank Wright and his, uh, his Q&A. Cody Lashney from Carolina Cat Chronicles, he asked, are you guys all at all concerned about Ika McQuanu's performance at left tackle? Um, I did see a couple where – or one in particular where he just could not keep the, the pass rusher. It's like when they line up wide. When they line up wide to him and come in from that direction, he has an issue with getting them pushed out far enough to not get to the quarterback. My question to both of you, did we overrate Aquanu last year because we ran so much? Is he more of a run blocker or or, or are we just making, you know, mountains out of molehills with this, you know, it's like three plays <laughs> preseason that, that something has happened and it's been back-to-back games. So do you think he was – I know PFF had him rated super high. I think he was the highest rated rookie lineman last year, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think it was more because we were running the ball like like 40 times a game or, you know, at the end of last year, those last eight games? Or do you think that he's getting exposed? Like, what, what do you think is going on here? And should we be worried about that left tackle position? I mean, I'm not concerned. Um, well, well I, I should take it back. I would say there's a valid reason to be concerned. But it's not time to sound the panic alarm yet. Like I think there's there's still things that they're working on. And Frank said today, like I think it was the sack that he gave up, where there was a miscommunication. He thought he heard one word and it was another. So now they're changing that, which makes sense. So if that's all that was, was just a mental lapse, and he just didn't hear the right word, and that's kind of understandable. This is exactly what the preseason's for to fix those things and find those things out now versus in week one. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't overreact. Um, I do think it is a concern, though, because the one play, the one that he didn't give up a sack, but it did lead to a quarterback hit, I think Icky tried to almost overcompensate 
on the previous play and just didn't have the greatest technique, and he just got out techniqued on that on that rush by Thibodeau. Thibodeau is a great player. Don't yeah. get me wrong, yeah, but top five pick last year. <laughs> so I mean, it's yeah. not like top same class, same class as Icky. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't think it's way too early to start getting into this talk. Of like, oh, maybe he's going to end up being kicked inside the guard. Like, let's let's pump the brakes on that talk. <laughs> It may end up happening if that if this continues into the season and it's just a, a train wreck. But right now, no. Yeah, because yeah. I guess I guess they would kick Christensen out to left. Well, no, they seem re- re- you know, resistant to having him at left tackle, even though that's what he played in college and was like the highest graded left tackle in college the year he came out. Uh, Brady Christensen, um, your thoughts on this, Stu? Being a former running back, do you think it's do you see anything with Icky where it's like you look at him more as a run blocker, or do you think he's just is just getting blown out of proportion that these couple of plays in preseason were just nitpicking. I think it's just getting blown out of proportion. I think people are excited about football and its return, and they're excited and really wanting to overanalyze things because they haven't analyzed anything in a long time. <laughs> so, That's um, nice. a lot of something. But I, I can say, like watching that play, it definitely looked as if he was just on the wrong page. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes that happens and, and sometimes it happens and we wouldn't even know about it. A lot of times those things happen and we don't know about it where a guy, you know, is on the wrong page. It just so happens that the defense runs something that just, you know, gets them out of jail. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, man, you know, Icky, let's not be crazy here. Um, Icky is a dominant player. He's a dominant offensive lineman. He proved that last year. Um, and I don't expect him to fall off or at, at all. I expect him um, to really, you know, make his case to, to be an all-pro this year. And so um, I think right now everyone's just, you know, got high expectations, you know, with, a, with new coaching staff, a new just a, it's just a new – that's a it's just new blood right now, right? Especially coming off of what Panthers have been dealing with, you know, with the coaching staff and and you know the seasons in the past three years. Everyone's just itching for something positive, and so I'll give you something positive, Raheem Blackshear. Um, Good second. That's something to be excited about. You got running backs on this depth that can make plays. Um, love seeing that. Um, Jonathan Mingo, you know, his yards after catch the other night. I love seeing that, like guys that can have an impact, um, on the game. And when you have a physical receiver out there banking, snagging balls like that, and then pretty much bullying someone from not tackling them, (laughs) (laughs) like that's, that's something that defenses don't want to match up against. And so um, I'm excited about that. So, I mean, I think what people should be looking at in these preseason games, let the Panthers do the evaluation because yeah. your evaluation doesn't matter. Exactly. Just look at, look at the things <laughs> that you should be excited about. So that way you can go to sleep at night and go about your day. I'm glad you said it. You said it more tactfully than I would have because you, you basically <laughs> – like, look, y'all aren't going to decide this roster. It doesn't matter what you say, what you post, all the yelling and crying. 
not winning pre- yeah. it don't matter <laughs> like they're gonna pick right. this team, and it's gonna look completely different week one i think that's what i've stuck with i'm glad you brought raheem blackshear because there's actually been uh comments in our comment section and you can you can participate in the comment section anytime we're on live just go to youtube.com forward slash at tobacco road sports radio or the facebook watch page for tobacco road sports radio and just comment in the comment section and we'll pop it up uh like i got dallin uh at the dell here chuba and blackshear stats look identical but blackshear has more juice and you've mentioned that before Stu, that Blackshear seems like he's kind of got that, that 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 yeah. sizzle. That that he got that dog in him. He yeah, got a dog. There's a there's a dog in him that says, "Man, if you don't leave me alone, I'm gonna bite you." You can't teach. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you see it on some dudes where it's just like they got that little extra like yeah, just a little a bit in their tick. set, almost just like Tyree Kill. Tick. Tyree Kill yeah, is like, like a, a little yeah. different. <laughs> when the different. ball's in their hand, all of a sudden they're just faster. Yeah, like, they're like more angry. I like, like I like him at RB. That type of guy. Yeah. yeah. You think he, uh, I mean, Skyler, you've been seeing him at practice. Uh, I think Blackshear was one of the ones you were really high on, wasn't it? Was it Blackshear? Uh, so, sort of. I, I wasn't like, I'm right, still not, not really. I'm not, I'm not sky high on him, but I mean, okay. I think he's, he's definitely RB3. I know some people say he's RB2, but to me, yeah. if, if Chuba's healthy, he's he's the second guy there. And that that's the big issue is like, okay, well, how how big is this Chuba ankle? Like, is this is this something that's going to creep into the season? If so, what's that going to look like for the backfield? Like, is this open up an opportunity for for Spencer Brown, who I think's had a really good camp and a really good preseason? So maybe that gives him a chance. That heck, Spencer Brown may make the roster anyways. I don't know. I think he's really close. And then you also have uh, Cam Peoples, the undrafted free agent out of App State, who really hasn't gotten many opportunities. Uh, but Frank said today that they're going to try and get him a little bit of work on Friday. So if if that ends up being the case where Chuba's kind of a multi-week situation, there's going to be a job up there for grabs. Two, two, uh, two additional things that popped out for me, just watching the highlights and seeing the feedback on everything. Sha Smith seemed to pop uh, on a Friday. We've Friday seen night. this before, though, Des. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I think last preseason, wouldn't it? Didn't he do the same thing? He he is he has been Mr. Preseason, and I don't mean that as a knock. Like I think if you would hear Coach Jefferson, he'd probably say the same thing. Like in terms of getting guys motivated, he probably call someone, "Hey, Mr. Preseason," just to get them motivated to actually do something in the season. Um, I don't want to put words in man's mouth, but I'm just <laughs> that's that's, that's the vibe I get from this coaching staff. Like they will poke fun at, at these guys to get get them motivated. And yeah. I don't know, Josh Smith. He's got the talent. It's just do something in the regular season to, to prove that you're worth the roster spot. Is that, you know what that reminds me? Is there um, a new episode of that Panthers kind of hard knocks type show on the Panthers YouTube channel? I didn't bother to look. Because that was so. like two weeks ago when they put that first one out there. Uh, with Smith and a couple others, they got a shot because this week they put Demir Bird on our list. He's out for the season. So, yeah. so guys like, you know, Shaw Smith. Uh, My guy Gary Jennings making a catch. Yeah. Yeah, Garrett Jennings, uh, Javon Wims had a couple catches. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts on Lavisca? Because he seems like invisible in this preseason. Should we be concerned at all? No, I mean he's been very limited. He's been dealing with some stuff injury wise too. So uh, I think they're. I mean, we, we've kind of heard what Frank said about what they could do with him in terms of the whole Debo role, and I mean he was wasn't even he was practicing fine and um before that jets joint practice came about and then joint the jets came in he didn't practice and i think that was more so them just holding him back 
And I think that's kind of what they're going this whole preseason. They don't want anybody to know what he can do in this offense. That that was my biggest takeaway from week two. Frank Wright don't give a damn. No. He don't care. He don't care about winning these preseason games. He don't, yeah, he yeah. don't care about nothing but what his plan is. And his plan is to show the Atlanta Falcons nothing. <laughs> They're not going to have a single – no idea. Yeah. What kind of oh, yep, they have no clue. And he's willing to take – he's willing to be 0-3 in the preseason to do it. And you know what? He's right. <laughs> he's absolutely mm-hmm. right. So, I mean, everyone that's kind of irritated that, you know, Bryce isn't out there long enough and all this other stuff. I don't even know if I expect to see Bryce on Friday for game three. Like, Sounds like we will. Yeah. I, yeah, I was gonna say I would want to. I would. I, I would want to see Bryce. Um, How long? Just to like give him, because I mean he's a rookie at the end of the day. Like, and he seems like a guy that thrives on on reps, like like just going through like the process. Because clearly he's a process guy. Like, and he understands the process. He enjoys it. Um, and so just kind of get him in his own element. You know, last preseason game. Just go through the whole entire experience as a rookie. And you gotta think too, the the first two drive or the first drive in each of the games that he's played, they went three and out. So you know yeah. that they want to get him an opportunity to move the ball a little bit on that first drive, get a better start yeah. heading into Some the first confidence. Game. That's yeah. the, that's the thing too. It's not really fair because I'm seeing him get compared to other quarterbacks where those other teams are kind of just leaving those quarterbacks out there a lot longer and giving them a little bit more meat, you know, in terms of plays to play with mm-hmm. he's he's doing it seems like real simple you know read one read two read three and they're all running basic stuff they're not really doing anything exotic at all um which is by design and we've been told <laughs> we've been told yeah, they're not he, hasn't that. Made, he hasn't made a bad decision with the ball yet and yeah. he doesn't look rushed he doesn't he looks like you know and Stu probably knows this too even as a running back like when you first come to the league i'm sure the speed of the game is almost like mind-boggling how different it is from college to the NFL. And it looks like the, the game was never too fast for Bryce in either of these first two games. Like, it's already slowed down for him. That's a and good that's, point. That's yeah. what you need to notice. That's a great mm-hmm. point because he has not felt – I don't think he's even looked flustered, like, from what I've seen, which is <laughs> nuts. <laughs> like, smooth. And still delivering completions, like – and he's not getting happy feedback there. He's not getting antsy and ready to you know, take off and use his legs. He's trying to do everything he can to throw the ball. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing that I'm excited about. Jump off the, the Bryson, Bryce Young uh, train for a second. Get on this defense before I forget. <laughs> that man, Von Bell. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, we need him. I'm glad he's on our team. When you got a tight end, when you got a pro, all pro tight end crossing the middle of the field, wide open, and he think he just gonna catch a ball? Mm-mm, not today. <laughs> you gonna get this punishment, boy. Yeah. And they don't <laughs> think about it the rest of the day too. Like I don't know. Yes. And so <laughs> he's 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 made his statement for the rest of the, for the. To me, he ain't got to play the next game. He's already I, like, look, we see what you can do. Yeah, to save that. You gonna do time. that again? Save it for the first game of the regular season. Take it, take it down. Uh, I don't even follow Atlanta. <laughs> so we can yeah. get right there. Um, I pulled two quotes from Coach Wright. Uh, one actually regarding new offense coordinator Thomas Brown and his play calling. Who, or I guess apparently he took over play calling duties in the second half. And uh, Frank Wright was asked about what he thought about Thomas Brown. You know, I thought it was better. I thought. 
you know, we did a little bit more. Um, we still didn't do a ton, but we did we did some more. We did some more stuff. I, we had some a few plays, had an opportunity for a few more. Um, I thought Thomas did a great job calling the second half. You know, happy with his development there. Um, he's really sharp guy now. He's super sharp, and you know, thought he did a great job in the second half when he had an opportunity. My question is, um, no. <laughs> what was I going to ask? Uh, dang, dang, Scholar, can you? I'm always need to be the full-time play caller. If that's what you're about to ask. I, well, I'm curious as to what is what is the situation with that. So was Wright calling the plays first half, and then half, Thomas yeah. Brown took over the second? Yeah. Why yeah. are they doing that? Like, what's going on with that? So. At some point, they're going to hand over – Frank's going to hand over the play calling duties to Thomas at some point, whether it's this season or next season, who knows. But he has made it very clear that he brought Thomas here to give him an opportunity to call plays and believes in him that he can do it. So this is his first opportunity to get that experience. Because uh, he, he, he came with Sean McVay, yeah. So. Yeah, he, yeah, he's never called plays. So this is a great opportunity for him to kind of learn and get that experience. But – I, I know I've seen some people saying, oh, look at, you know, how well they played offensively in that second half with Thomas Brown calling the plays. That's where I was going because that's all I saw. And I was like, let's pipe down for a second. Let's remember <laughs> that we're talking about the Giants playing guys 75 through 90 in that third and fourth quarter. Okay. And the Panthers, yes, they're still doing the same thing too. But also when you're down 21 to six or whatever the score was, you're not going to be running the ball that much. You're going to be trying to put the ball in the air and move the, and move it downfield as quick as you can. So I think with Frank, what he was trying to do in those first in the first half of those two games was kind of establish the run a little bit. That way things weren't just pass, 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 pass with Bryce and everyone could start teeing off on him. I think he wanted to mix in the run a little bit there. But I think Thomas is going to be a great play caller at some point. And I think it's – and really probably even two or three years down the road, I think he's going to be a head coach. I really do. He's extremely smart. Just listen to the guy talk, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But it's not time. Like, you have, you brought Frank right here. He has, you know, been working with all these great quarterbacks throughout the league. He's had all this success. You have Jim Caldwell in there, too. Hmm. Like, you need to let Frank do what he, is brought, he was brought here to do. Then when it's time for Frank to just kind of sit back and take over a CEO role, that's when you make that happen. But I, I think right now, you, when you have a quarterback in his first season, about to make his first regular season start, you let the guy that you brought here and Frank Reich do what he was supposed to do before you change it over to Thomas Brown. That's why I don't even know if we'll see that change this year. We may see it go the whole season, but we'll see that maybe change in the spring. I think people might have forgot that Thomas Brown wasn't calling plays for the Rams, but he learned under Sean yeah. McVay, one of the most innovative play callers in the business today. Well, uh, so that makes sense. That makes sense that Wright's calling and, his plays. And another quick point, too. So if we're overreacting about Icky giving up a sack and three quarterback hits, is that not overreacting saying Thomas Brown needs to be the play caller? Yeah. Come on. Yes. That's <laughs> over- that, that, hey. See, that's a tell my Everybody chill out. Everybody chill out. <laughs> <I just, laughs> This uh, the second comment from Coach Wright. Frank Wright won a Super Bowl, uh, so yes, yes. I mean, if you you know, honestly, I've kind of felt like there's three or four guys on this on this coaching staff that are going to be head coaches in the next yeah four years. Like I'd throw Deuce Staley's name in there. I'd throw uh, 
uh, Ivaro, uh, Ivaro, I'd, he he's going to be one probably, depending on well, depending on what happens here <laughs> next couple of uh, years. But Chris uh, Taylor, Allen. teams coordinator. I know a lot of people probably don't think about it. He's he can definitely be a head coach. Hey, uh, John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator. Look, look what he's accomplished. So I mean, that, there's a lot of there's a lot of mix of young and old yeah. where I feel like. Even I, mean, I don't know how long we'll have Caldwell or uh, Dom Capers. I have no idea how long they're going to be able to. So to, special yeah. teams coach. I mean, you you talk about if you're if you're able to command a room, command a unit, not just one unit. I mean, you're he's controlling field goal, field goal block, <laughs> punt, punt return, like all of it. So I mean, he's touching like all areas of this team. And so if you if you're able to command in a way that you're getting guys executing on all cylinders, um, that says a lot, especially if you're doing it consistent, uh, consistently. Trust the process, everybody. Just trust the process. Just remember what we've been to all this good stuff we've been telling you for the past four weeks about what's coming out of Panther Camp, all the signings, all the new additions. It's going to be okay, but it wasn't going to be like you, you open the box and roll it out on the floor and it's just already pre-assembled and, you know what I mean? Like everything's good to go. We're going 15 and 2 and everything's great. I'd like, like to figure this out. Maybe I'll try to figure out for next week. But how many rookie quarterbacks came in and led their team to a playoffs following a season where the coach was fired from that team? Oh, yeah. Now that's um, – <laughs> you might have to use yeah, I mean, that. That shows you right there. There was all, obviously already a little bit of disarray. Has there been a was Roethlisberger a rookie when the Steelers went to the Super Bowl with him the first time? Uh, was that year two? Two, I think. Year I'm two. trying to think of who Brady was in year two when the Patriots got there with him the first time. Who has there been a rookie quarterback? That's but, there, but even in those two cases, it's not like the coach was fired before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, when you have a quarter, a co- whole coaching staff change and a new quarterback, that that's a lot to handle. The, uh, this is um, my question was regarding game three, which is against the Detroit Lions, the kneecap biting Detroit Lions uh, Friday <laughs> at 8 p.m. on the Panthers radio network and uh, Panthers television network. Uh, here is Coach Wright uh, after being asked whether or not Bryce Young and some of the other starters will actually play in that game. You know, well, I'm not going to say anything 100% sure. Um, right right now, the plan is for everybody to get ready to play. And uh, the plan is for everybody to get ready to play. We'll see how we come out of this game injury-wise. We'll talk about it as a coaching staff, um, and, you know, and see what what do we need to accomplish. If, if I feel like we need to accomplish something as a coaching staff, if we feel like there's things we need to accomplish in one more preseason game, then we'll play the guys that need to be in there for that. Um, if I feel hmm. like we're ready, um, you know, then – you know, then we won't play those guys. Small update. Small update. <laughs> I know what that sound like. I was about you to know say. what that sound like to me? All right, y'all. Hey, look, I'm going to be over here eating this hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he wanted to say, hell no, Bryce ain't playing. So what are you, crazy? But then he, he thought sure. about it. There was that pause. I mean, like, I mean it could. Who knows, right? Like, it could be anything. But it's me. My mindset, like, hey, I'm chalking it up. <laughs> you said there's been a change though, right, Skyler? That they've actually well, especially if I'm like if, if I'm a veteran guy and like I'm not playing. Yeah. That's <laughs> simple. Like, that's how I feel. I, I think yeah. that's what that's what I heard. That's what I heard. You've but. already told America that these this game doesn't matter. So it's like yeah. 
but we don't. That's, <laughs> that's what I thought on Saturday. And like I, I said in my article, uh, uh, the whatever morning it was, <laughs> but I thought Bryce was already like, I think they've seen enough from him. But what he said today, it sounded like they're going to do what they did the, the first two preseason games. He said that there's going to be probably a little bit similar to what we've already seen. And there was a follow-up question about, is that the same with the quarterbacks? And he said, yes. So take that for what you will. So I, I would expect Bryce to probably go out there at least for a series. Like I said, first series of both games have been three and outs. Get that yeah. opportunity to go out there and start the game off a little bit better. If, it, if they go out and move the chains and maybe score, that's a wrap. Nothing to do anything else. Are they in Charlotte or are they up in Detroit? Charlotte, yeah. Okay, so – I don't know. I don't know. See, it's weird for me. It's weird for all of us because week three used to be like that that week. You know what I mean? Like you knew the starters were going to play the whole first half. It was going to kind of feel like a real game as much as you can in preseason. And then second string was going to kind of come in third. I'm like, you're going to get along. You knew you were going to be in there for the first half for the most part, offense and defense. I don't know. This is kind of like what week four used to be where it's like you're kind of evaluating the rest of the people on the roster. They got a lot of cuts coming up. Uh, when's, when's cut day? It's going to be right after. 7th or 8th or ninth, somewhere around there. So that's going to be literally – the 28th is that Monday. Uh, I imagine it's that Monday, the 28th. Uh, so that'll now, be final cut. They, they're, they said they're going to probably hold on to the full 90 until then. So, I mean, this is different because we used to have it where it was trickled throughout the preseason. Yeah. So even even though that they haven't cut anybody yet, they already know, like they, they probably already figured out who's that chunk of the roster that's going to be gone. So like, I don't know that how much, how much auditioning there is going to be. Like I said, I, I think we will see at least a series with the starters, at least the starters that have been playing like Brian Burns. He's not playing. I don't think Miles Sanders. He's not like, but the guys we have been seeing at least a series or two. Shout out to uh rookie Chandler uh, Zavala. He got the start at left guard um, this Friday night. And uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Zane, what's his name? Uh, Nash Jensen. J- Nash Jensen. That's right. He got the he he played the second half. Both of them seem to play better uh, <laughs> than our guy Cam uh, Irvin and Michael Jordan who were playing that spot week one. Because I haven't heard anybody really complain about either one of them uh, like we did after that game uh, last week. Question from the gallery here from Willie Smith: Is there a concern with the defense stopping the run? Is that more? Uh, the missing dudes that would normally be out there, or is it is it preseason? And like you said, Stu, the speed is different, so they're not maybe going as hard on these tackles and things of that sort. Is it because they like, is this is this from know? like the last game? Because I thought I, understand, okay. I feel like they did okay. Yeah, I thought they did okay. <laughs> Giants, like I, I guess they're saying they're missing tackles or something. Um, because I had saw, I guess there's some couple times where guys have squirted out and, and done things, but I mean, that's football, it's just gonna happen. But. Hey, listen, man, look. They get paid too, right? Yeah, they're not out there for free. Yeah. <laughs> they ain't just tackling dummies. They're they're trying to get on a team too. So yeah, I, Willie crazy. Smith, I wouldn't really, uh, you know, it's not a cause for concern right now. Yeah, I'm not too worried about. I'm not really worried about them at all. Uh, I think the past yeah. two pre- uh, preseasons, I have been a little worried going into week one. Just like looking at them, like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to yeah. work out. But I don't catch that vibe this year. I just feel like after week three of the season. Let's check in to see if we should be worried. Yeah, because if they can't run the ball, and if if uh, your boy down in Atlanta, if Robinson, the, the rookie running back, if he goes off for 120 oh. yards on the ground week one. Now, see, look, 
He's, he, hey, <laughs> that young man has a bright future. You hear me? Yeah. What was it number My eight? God. Man, Texas. listen. The way that run that they showed over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> over well, and I'm over a, again. I'm not going to was it this past week? Yeah, man. He the way it was like the third cut he made, where like it was almost like only a person that can see into the future would have made this cut. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait, did he knew that was he knew that was gonna happen? Like he's been here before. Um, but yeah, kudos to him, man, getting his first introduction to the NFL. Um, you know, it's as a running back, I'm excited to see all of running backs, you know, play well. Um, you still need a running back. You still need a running back. You need a couple running backs, really, but you really need a, a a bellwether like main horse. I think mm-hmm. I might have found the. No, that ain't it. But that was a good run. <laughs> Wait, I'm waiting for the one. How long did you run? Well, how long? You remember how long a run it was? Like 12 yards. It was his first carry. Oh well, then that was it. Hold on, I did find it. Um, I'm gonna pull it up here because he. Uh, if you are a Carolina Panther fan, you need to watch this because we're going to be defending this dude twice a season now. Yeah, uh, study, study. This is important. Study so you can evaluate and not be heard. Yeah, he is a uh, he is <laughs> he is a, uh, apparently an issue. Um, I don't have the sound on or anything, but here I think this is it. Right. There it is. So watch him come in. In that traditional oh, one, man. two, Ooh. three. That one right there. I was like, golly, hold up. <laughs> he like he used the juke stick on that one, right? Sean oh, oh my no. <laughs> buddy thought he was really coming in there for a tackle. Everybody else thought he was part of a tackle. And you can't teach that. That's just like I wonder what this coach said when he got into when they was watching film on this. For who? For the defender or, or the defender. For, uh... yeah, for the defender. <laughs> like, hey, how was it? <laughs> how was it? Was it good? Died. Was it good? God, what did it feel like? I mean, we're joking about it now, but our linebackers going to have to deal with this in like two weeks. Yeah, so, man, um, up. That was, that was Say what? Make sure you break down. Don't try to. Don't try to. Basically, don't try to knock this guy out. Just break down and get ran over. And make the tackle. Is he one of those types where, like, if you try to go like low, he's gonna he's gonna make you miss. But if you try to yeah. go, well, as you forward, if you remember though, he he likes to jump. He actually almost like broke. Oh yeah, or something like that in college. Oh, uh, when he what? jumped, I'm it was bad. Yeah. I'm not oh going man, down. it was it was ah, uh, it was real. He bad. went straight down like this, and his head and just then buddy and then buddy came in and just got him in the back. I'm oh, like, God. oh, jeez, Lord, bless him. This passing. Like, Three years. I don't ago. know when it was. Oh yeah. man, he's so still lucky to be here. Yeah, lucky. Top ten picks. You after all that? That's crazy. Uh, you, my boy, Blue says, is Miles Sanders really hurt, or are they just saving him for the season? Uh, <laughs> again, my boy, Blue. Hey. We all in the same boat, brother. Hey, Frank ain't trying to reveal no secrets. I, I think we just gonna wait and we are gonna see him <laughs> regular season game one. Has he worked out at all, Skyler? Since he's been out, uh, he's been in and out of stuff. I mean. He was dealing with some stuff, but they're always going to be cautious with him. I mean, they they know he's their guy, so you don't want him taking unnecessary hits. And that's the same thing with like Christian in years past. Like you know, he's going to get the ball a ton, and they envision kind of a similar role with Miles and that he can catch passes out of the backfield and whatnot. So if you're going to get 
say upwards of 200, 250 carries and maybe another 30, 40 catches, like that's a lot of hits. You're not even counting all the hits that you're taking in protection and all that other stuff. So that's you don't need the unneeded hits. I'm glad I'm glad this fellow brought this question in here because this will probably be the last 10 minutes or so of the show. And it's gonna shift away from the Panthers a little bit, but it's a, a question that's on everyone's mind. Plus, we got Skyler in here who reports for West Virginia, who's in the Big 12. Haskell Shelton, good friend of mine, says, I want to know if Jay Stu is ready for the Ducks to be in the Big Ten. Go blue. He's a Michigan guy. <laughs> what are your what are you how are you feeling? Like, I don't even know. Like who's in the Big Ten? Like Rutgers or somebody? Hey, Rutgers, Ohio Rutgers. State. Your basketball. Oh, I gotta team. get. I gotta get acclimated. Michigan, Michigan team. State. Your basketball no, teams will have to go to Rutgers on a Wednesday night to play a conference game <laughs> in January. Yeah, sometime. It's all jacked up. You know what they gotta do, man? They gotta separate this whole thing, like from oh, Russ. That's yeah, what it's going in ten so years. That way they're not trapped. So that way those basketball teams and the baseball teams wrestling. So they ain't got it. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be traveling like that because they're not bringing in that much money either. How are you gonna um, get to the? Uh, so Michigan softball will have to go to UCLA to play a regular season game. Like it's it's gonna be crazy. Like I don't see how yeah. it sustains itself. And I'm kind of looking at it too. Like okay, they did it for the money, right? So it's all about the money. Aren't you gonna be spending a whole lot of money with travel <laughs> like for all these other schools? Like like the money's gotta come from somewhere. So. UCLA, USC, and the Big Ten with Oregon and Washington. Now, I, I will, I will say, like football, it makes sense so for right? them to go to the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, for the money that they're talking about, money, but you, because I mean, you're going to be seen by all of East Coast. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's what happens. Like Oregon games, ain't nobody going to stay up and watch that. <laughs> those games, them games, them games on the East Coast end at twelve o'clock at night. <laughs> they just get started. got work in the morning, fella. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. You know, especially you know just the you know the history that's in the Big Ten. You know, you got the Michigans, um, trying to Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State. Wisconsin, because I mean, you guys would play them. Whoever came out uh, that in the Rose Bowl. What's the so. school that Drew Brees went to? Uh, Purdue. Purdue. Oh yeah, you um, know, bottom of the barrel for Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> Wisconsin, uh, West Virginia, uh, Skyler School that he reports for. For uh, no, we're West Virginia is there too. We're Big Twelve. Oh, Big Twelve. I'm sorry. See, just uh, make it all one conference. Make it easy for the rest. <laughs> just put them all in one big thing. Like, yeah, is it That's- weird that they're talking about putting Stanford and? Uh, Stanford and who's the other one into the ACC? Uh, Cal. Cal. Cal, yeah. Stanford and Cal in the Atlantic Coast Conference. <laughs> We've also had conferences like the Big Twelve has got fourteen teams. The Big Ten's got how many ever teams? I think eighteen. Like it's. I, I'm just telling you now because I I've seen this stuff up close for over a decade now, and now everybody else is just starting to kind of understand it. But West Virginia was the first and the only team in Power 5 athletics to not play in their own time zone for a conference game. There's not one team in their conference that's in their time zone. That's crazy. So (laughs) you're talking about West Virginia, like during basketball season, there's plenty of occasions where they go and play at, like, say, Texas Tech on Saturday, and then they stay out there 
and then they turn around on Monday and play Texas at nine o'clock Eastern time, and they don't get back home till five o'clock. They shuttle from Clarksburg up to Morgantown, and then they have class at eight o'clock that morning. It happens all the time. That's, that's why Bob Huggins, before all this crap happened this summer, uh, <laughs> that's why he was trying to get worn out by all of it. But, yeah. <laughs> but what I was saying about this, like no one understood how taxing and how physically wearing it can be on a player. Now, for football, probably not as much, but more so the basketball and the, the sports have to travel all the time, like multiple times a week. Yeah, but, they're trying to get that student athlete to just being straight up athlete. Yeah, but you're killing, and this is why I think this isn't going to last. I won't go into a big spiel about it, but I don't think that this this new wave of these super conferences is going to last in the way that they're currently constructed because regionality is dead. I'm sorry, but like we just pointed out, no one cares about Oregon going and playing Rutgers on a Thursday night, and what no one cares that West Virginia is going to go play. Uh, Utah on a Friday night or anything like that. Like, no one cares about that stuff. Those rivalries were never built. Yeah, that's what college sports is all about. For West Virginia in particular, I can tell you, like, I have fans tell me all the time, in the 10 years that they've been in the Big 12, yes, I mean, obviously they want to win, but they don't feel the excitement or the sting of a loss against Oklahoma State or whoever else in the Big 12 that they do in the two years, the last two years where they played Pitt or Virginia Tech, and that's a non-conference game. The Pitt game last year, first time they played that game in like 11 or 12 years, that was the most attended sporting event in the history of Pittsburgh. Not the Steelers. West Virginia Pitt, the most people ever at a game. So if that doesn't tell you that there's some value with regional games and rivalry games – I don't know what does. I'm telling you, three or four years from now, all these conferences, they're going to understand that they're losing money because, look, when West Virginia and Pitt play each other, people in West Virginia, if they go across the state border, go to a grocery store, whatever, they got their West Virginia stuff on, they feel good. You know, they can talk smack. No one cares if you're in the Big 12 and you're playing Texas Tech. Like, there's there's not that. And, and it's also, like, if, if you're on a bye week or West Virginia's game's over, you're talking about – watching Pitt, you're watching Virginia Tech, you want to watch those games to see how your rivals do. They don't they're care. The <laughs> yeah, they're even at your conference. Yeah. They don't care what Arizona State does. That's why this is not going to last. See, okay, so... You know what's going to happen? What's do? Saudi going to come in Boosters. here and invest into all these colleges Ooh, like boosters. Don't let Florida State get in that because they've been trying to <laughs> really out for the past month and a half. And I've been telling you, Florida State can't leave the ACC. And people are like, watch, they're going to try, they're going to try. I don't care how hard they try. The grant of rights is so ironclad in the ACC. People think it's a TV deal. It's it's a TV deal, but the original reason for it is because Maryland left. Maryland left in the middle of the night for the Big Ten and didn't tell anybody. They just left. And when that happened, all the other schools in the ACC decided we're not going to let this happen again. So they made this grant of rights deal where basically the league owns your TV rights till 2036. You can't get out of it. There's no way to get out of it. If you leave the ACC, the ACC still gets your money until 2036. So if Florida State like left where they had a deadline on the 15th to, to, to say if they were going to leave or not, well, we knew they weren't going to leave. Where are they going to go? Nobody even called them. <laughs> like the SEC didn't call them. Big Ten didn't call them. Nobody wants them right now. And they think that they are more 
of an inflated value than what they actually are. I do think that ESPN knows it. That's why they're not changing the contract. Exactly. Cause they know they don't have to do anything. They got them until 2030 they can for another 13 years. Like there's now the only thing I've read that would change the amounts uh, that are put out would be if they add additional teams to the ACC and then it would change the payout from ESPN. Plus Stanford, from my understanding, is saying that they don't want to take a dime for the first couple of years just to get in <laughs> to the ACC because they're in such a situation where they just watch the Pac-12 implode in like a week. Like there's only four teams. It's the Pac-4. Pac-4, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they're saying, oh, we're going to expand and stuff. I'm like, Welcome expand. to the quad. <laughs> expand? <laughs> Where are you getting? Like everybody's already in a conference or unless you're going to I don't know. You don't have a TV deal. <laughs> so like, I don't know what they're supposed to do. The ACC, I will say this, for all the stuff, people talking about the grant of rights and uh, if this happens, if that happens. First of all, if Carolina is still like uh, in the ACC and not trying to leave, the conference ain't going nowhere. It, it centers around those four North Carolina schools. Carolina, Wake Forest, State, Duke. Like it, that's the heart of the ACC. And Carolina is the heart of that. Like If they go to the Big Ten or something down the road, Sure, but I don't think Carolina needs to. They make enough money on their own brand-wise and stuff, so they're fine. Every time they expanded in the ACC, they did it for a specific reason. Like when they expanded the first, when they added Florida State, it was so they could get a football presence. When they added in the first wave of Big East schools, it was to go back and kind of fix basketball a little bit. When they added in the rest of the other Big East schools, it was to increase football. But they kept <clears> the rivalries. They kept all the rivalries from the other conference. Now, you don't get Georgetown, Syracuse, that kind of thing, they didn't bring in Sarah, uh, Georgetown, but you still get, you know, Virginia Tech, Miami. You still get, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, the four, the North Carolina Duke. Like, you still get these, Carolina State. You still get these rivalries with, to Skyler's point. I think I've been out of love with college basketball the past couple of years because that part of it's starting to dwindle away. Like, the rivalry aspect of it, that's what gets you hype, you know, like, Going against that big bad. school, you know. I feel bad for those four schools that are left. Now, Stu may only feel bad for three of them, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think, no love I think for, the <laughs> for, for the most part. Like I, even Stu would probably agree that I mean, Oregon, Oregon State. That's that's a game that I'm sure everybody in that state wants to continue to have for years on end. Oh yeah, I mean that was that's what I was gonna say. I was like thinking to myself, it's like, well, shoot. If you're an Oregon fan, you better go to all of the games this year because this might be the last rodeo. You're going to be on the West Coast except for their home games. And even then, you're going to have like like Nebraska in there or or Wisconsin. Some of this don't even make sense. Some of it, they just did it just to to expand. And I love what the SEC guy said, Greg Sankey, when they were asking about uh, would the SEC expand or be interested in California. He's basically like, look, man, we the SEC. We don't need to pick up a team in California for people to watch us in California. We, we the SEC, they're going to watch us anyway. And he's right. <laughs> like, he's absolutely – they're going to watch Alabama, Florida, and California. Like, they don't need to expand into California. It's like they don't need to get FSU to get a Florida market. Like, that is SEC country. They don't need FSU. Like, they already got it. So, plus the schools that are down there, you think my, you think uh, Florida and Alabama and Georgia want FSU and the SEC recruiting-wise? They're all fighting over the same area anyway, but now you put them in the same conference, they don't want FSU. <laughs> they don't want them in there at all. So I never understood the whole fuss about people worried about the ACC breaking up or whatever. They seem to be the one on the most stable ground because of the grant of rights. Uh, do you think, Skylar, the Big 12 is 
done? What? How many do they have? Eighteen? They're they will be they're at fourteen now. They'll be at sixteen next year. Um, Not enough. Once, once all the big tw- or Pac twelve schools move over, but um, I'll say this. Brett, your mark is is somebody that's not just going to sit on his hands. So if the opportunity presents itself and it makes sense, they will act. And I think there's a clear path to 20 members, which seems to be the magic number that everybody wants to go out and get. That's the magic number for everybody. So if you can get to 20, it's like, okay, we are establishing ourselves as a super conference. Clearly they could just pick up the rest or the remainder of the pack. 12, which is the four teams, and there's your 20. Or if the ACC somehow starts falling apart, they could go and get some Eastern partners for West Virginia, Cincinnati, and UCF, which I think would make those three schools very, very happy. Go get Pitt, go get Virginia Tech, go get Syracuse. It's making my head hurt. I got another alarming thought. Like, Quentin started talking about here in our chat, um, the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a guy that was, you know, banking on going to the University of Oregon one day and then realize, well, if I play for the University of Oregon, that means that I'm going to be like living in the air, meaning I'm going to be flying yeah. cross country every week. Can my parents fly to New Jersey to see me play Rutgers? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not really with that. That's a good point, too. I didn't even think of it that way in terms of. So, like, if I'm a player, I might be like, well, uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin or whoever, can y'all, can y'all allow me to come play with y'all? <laughs> you, pro- you, you promised me that I'll be able to play, though, right? <laughs> that's, the, that, you know, that's an aspect I don't think any of them have thought of, the, the, the student athletes in terms of why did they go to that school. Right. Like, why right. do they go to USC? Why do they go to USC? Like, I don't – at this point, there's no need for me to really go to the University of Oregon. I need to go to one of these Big Ten schools. That's really kind of like how I see it. Yeah. Unless my parents have money and we're used to jet-setting and everything can just go on as usual. But that's typically not the case. Like the uh, the Johnny Manziel lie, which I just found out was a complete lie, watching the Johnny Manziel documentary. His parents didn't come from oil money. Like, remember that? They told us all that he was rich, <laughs> like already, and that's how he could oh, do it. I didn't see it yet. Oh, oh man. It's, you watch it. They could have went a lot further than what they did. Like, I will say that. They kind of just stopped it at a certain point. I'm like, y'all could have went a little deeper, but I kind of understand why. They, it gave me more respect for Johnny Manziel after watching it because my man yeah. never watched film, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> I was doing all this stuff on the football field. But, uh, yeah, that was the lie. I remember they were saying, yeah, this is why he's driving this car. This is why he's got cash because his parents came from oil. He's got he's a rich family. Turns out yeah. They just said that. <laughs> they just said it so he could still sign autographs and get paid for it. So, uh, you know, and now he probably looks at the NCAA and he's just like – Come man, on, man. I could have ended this. What, like seven years early or I something? Broke, I could have broke records out here with that's all what, this money. That's what we need to do one day is figure out who would have made the most NIL money in college, like in college football. Because, like, immediately Reggie, Reggie Bush. Bush. Yeah, Reggie Bush comes to mind immediately as soon as I think Reggie that. Bush would have been making a bunch of money out there in LA. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, he would have made a bunch. Um, Cam probably would have. Yeah, Auburn. Auburn. Johnny Manziel would have made way more. Johnny Manziel would have been a millionaire. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. He would have donated it all. Boy Tavon Austin. Yup. Oh, Oh, yeah. Man, Man, 
damn. <laughs> so at least kids are just sitting back watching this, or even like other sports. Like if NIL was there when Zion was RG three, RG three, Heisman year. Uh, I mean, so there's there's a couple kids that missed the boat on this NIL stuff, and it's not like they're making. I think I saw Bryce made you know X a million dollars something NIL at Alabama. Oh, that's it. Just a, just a million dollars college yeah. kid. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that's crazy because he was like his freshman year before NIL, he was doing DoorDash at Alabama. So it just kind of shows you the kind of guy he is in terms of just willing to put the work in or actually I think mm-hmm. he did it to meet people, which is a weird, cause I do door that. That's not why I do <laughs> door that. I'm trying to avoid people. Like I don't, I don't want to <laughs> your door. Here man, it's on your step. I'm yeah, it's on your step. I'm done. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the one, oh, Melissa Passmore says, uh, but the transfer portal and realignment is going to really hurt also schools like Wake and ACC and Vanderbilt and SEC in the long run, especially with recruiting in football and basketball. Um, Maybe. I mean, I guess it depends. Like, I see it here in high school where, like, you might have a smaller, like, a 1A or a 2A kid in high school, freshman, sophomore year that just really blows up and then transfers someplace junior, senior to a bigger school and a bigger platform. I could see that happening, but that was happening already uh, with Wake and Vanderbilt in those schools, the big, right? The big you know? problem no one's talking about is how they're trying to put a cap on NIL because if you think about it, the Big Ten and the SEC are making – or SEC is making obviously more money than anybody. Then you have the Big Ten, and then it's another drop, and then it's the Big 12, and then it's a huge drop, and then it's the ACC. So there's already a disadvantage in terms of the amount of revenue each school brings in. So just sticking with my West Virginia theme here, for example, West Virginia is not making the same money as Vanderbilt, and they're a much better program in athletics than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt a much better program than Rutgers. Vanderbilt gets stomped on every Saturday and just going to the bank. <laughs> and they're not making the same money as, uh, you know, uh, an Alabama or Florida. So how do you close that gap? Well, you don't close it by capping the NIL because by capping the NIL that allows team or that makes teams like West Virginia go further down and the, and the gap's even bigger. So sure. capping NIL is not the answer. They need to have one big TV deal and just it's like an umbrella and it's like the NFL and you have the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not, they need to do it like the NFL. Each conference where it's you know twenty or thirty million dollar difference. There's always gonna be discrepancies with it this way. Or Saudi Arabia can come over here and save the day. <laughs> and they got the money too. Like that, we keep saying it, but like Saudi Arabia, if you're listening to me, if you hear this. <laughs> We're just buy college football. Just, just come look and look into the opportunities in college football right now. They need your help. I mean, what would say like 10 billion, 12 billion? They just trade like two billion for like a soccer player. Yeah, look, like they the just, other week. look, they just picked <laughs> up Neymar in a two hundred million dollar airplane. There's <laughs> nothing to us. <laughs> and, I, and we'll end it on this too, because uh I saw what's probably gonna happen. It's echoed off what we've been saying. The next go round with the TV stuff. ESPN and Fox, they're going to look at it and go, okay, yeah, we want Alabama, we want Florida, we want Georgia. We do not want Vanderbilt. We do not want such and such. We don't want them. And that's what's going to start breaking it down because the NCAA doesn't really run college football right now anyway. So, like, they, just they, they haven't been running it for years. Yeah. And they, they've already expanded the playoff. Like, I mean, ESPN basically runs college football. Like, if we well, what I've kind of thought of it is it could be one of two things where it's like the NFL, you have the AFC and the NFC, and how Typically, AFC's on CBS and NFC's at Fox. Might be a similar thing with college. Mm-hmm. Uh, or to go to your point with like, uh, we don't want Vanderbilt or Rutgers. 
poor – I feel bad for the Vanderbilt Rockers fans. We're just bashing on tonight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, not right, first, it's not the first time. Won't be the they last. Are, they, 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 they are. Where it's like a, an overseas soccer thing, right, where, like, you got to play your way up or play, or you may play your way out um, mm-hmm. on a certain level. So, I don't know if it will ever get to that point, but it just we're feels like some wacky stuff. Just take the top 48 brands or 64 brands, power five or whatever, and just make them the power five or whatever you want to call it and do it like set up an NFL type deal for TV where half of it's on Fox and half of it's on ESPN. ESPN already owns the rights to the college football playoff anyway. And you know they're going to expand it again eventually because now with these squad, with these conferences having 18 teams in them, they're going to want to expand it from, what is it, 12? Going into 12 now? Is that this year or next year? Next year it'll go to 12. But to 12. if, if they're going to all this realignment, they're, they're going to revisit that. They got to at least get, they'll go up to 16 or something at that point. And another thing, too, this is going to destroy, which was already getting destroyed, bowl games. Like bowl games, are, I don't even know how they do this now for bowl games because the Pac-12 don't exist. There's <laughs> so no Rose happened? Bowl. Where's the no Rose Bowl? bowl? Like, well, yeah, what happens to the Rose Bowl? Like, and I was always against the bowl games. I'm like, I want to see a – Somebody in the uh, the mighty or whatever, yeah. I, I, I don't know. See that. <laughs> There's six and five or something like that. But some of these bigger ones, the Rose Bowl is in the playoff rotation. But when they're not, the hosting the semifinal or the national championship, they're doing the Rose Bowl. So like, how does what do they do? Like, didn't they have a deal, or did that run out when their TV deal runs out next year too? Or is that a separate deal? Like, I, I don't. What happens? I'm not sure about that. I'd have to look into it. We'll have to find out because I'm I'm curious about the bowl situation, especially the ones like the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, stuff like that, where they're attached to the conferences that aren't really the same. Uh, <laughs> anyway, hell, Oregon's going to go play against the teams they would have played in the Rose Bowl, like mm-hmm. now just regular, <laughs> like regular yeah. season. So I mean, it's it's weird. It's really weird. I, I don't know w- what's going to happen. So uh, be like Quentin. Subscribe, forward it, hit that like button. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, I know we keep telling y'all we're settling down on a schedule. We're lying. We we don't know for sure. <laughs> we, we do it week to week. We we have no idea when we're gonna. <laughs> we're evaluating, just like Frank. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just be patient. Be, pa- be wait patient. For <laughs> wait for it. It'll probably be uh that game is what Friday. We won't be back on until after the next preseason game. So, uh, it might be next Sunday. Um, yeah. And because it's been this has been nice right here, and we can get it in before. Football, football really begins like real football, like real speed. We can dissect it all we want to football, and we're only a couple of weeks away from that. So, um, September 10th, fellas, appreciate everybody coming in, checking us out. Not sure why Quentin is asking, do they drug test college players? Uh, I think they do. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they definitely they do. Uh, that's a good question. Do they? I mean, well, what, what kind of drugs drug? are you talking about? What kind of, what kind of drugs are you talking about, Quentin? Because, uh, like like steroids? Yeah, like like what? <laughs> cocaine? Like what 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 street drugs? Yeah, what are we talking about? Like, I don't know. But Quentin on some other stuff tonight. Um <laughs> he just kind of put it in there too. He didn't even follow up on asking. Okay, we're going off the rails now. So I'm just going asking <laughs> Mayor Jay. I don't know where we're going. Yeah, asking Mayor Mayor. I think he's talking to you. No, they, asking... they don't they yeah, don't if... they don't. I don't think it does. I don't think they do that anymore. They used to. I went hijacking the uh, the uh, comment section, so I'm just going. <laughs> now, now, teams. I will throw this out there real quick. The teach certain schools, like certain programs, may do it themselves, but 
as far as it's like not an NCAA thing or whatever. So, uh, yeah. uh, but all right. So no, that's a great way to end it there. Um, <laughs> watching and listening. To oh, the Mary J. Mary J. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. All right, Quentin. Quentin, You 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 telling your age, Quentin. (laughs) Quentin, you're enjoying a beautiful Sunday evening. Um, uh, Quentin is 53. (laughs) We will be back next Sunday with a new edition of the Carolina Panthers, uh, Believe in Carolina Panthers, brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, Definitely go get that uh, welcome bonus. Just type in Believe and uh, get 50% off on your first purchase. We'll be back next week, probably Sunday evening again. So, uh, Panther Nation, keep on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.